This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Forever. Hey, Wanderistos, Jamie Lee here. Just to let you know that next week we will not be releasing a new episode. We are just taking a quick break for the holidays, but we will be back the following Tuesday with all of your CHBW needs. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for supporting the podcast this year. Stay warm, stay cozy. Have a great holiday with family or friends or yourself or your cat or your dog or whoever you're spending it with. We love you so much. And that's it. Enjoy this week's episode right now. Okay. Bye. Rose and Jamie are two best friends and they love sex and the city. And they couldn't help but wonder, do you love it too? Carrie, Miranda, Samantha, Charlotte, Cosmos, Frenchies, so many dudes. Every single dude, all the dudes. And we couldn't help but wonder. With Jamie Lee and Rose Cerno. I'm Jamie Lee. And I'm Rose Cerno. And this is Couldn't, couldn't help, help But Wonder. wonder. A podcast where we talk about sex and the city and how it relates to, to us. Hi, Jamie. Oh, hi. It's so good to see you. It's so good to see you, too. F- afar, yet so close. Yes. You and We're I are on both. separate coasts. I know. So Jamie is in good old New, New York, York city. city. I mean, home of the show. Where are you staying? I'm staying at this guy's apartment. I've rented it a couple times. Um, yeah, it's uh, pretty close to Union Square. Oh, and amazing. He just doesn't, he has it and doesn't live in it. So, yeah, it's kind of great. Yeah, it definitely has some like interesting artwork on the walls. As you can see, there's a yeah, I was like, giant oh, you're in someone's floor home. to ceiling King Kong behind us. And yeah. Jamie, who would you say you are this week? I mean, I'm just going to say I'm a Carrie because. I've definitely been doing a lot of just kind of like bopping around a lot of a lot of long walks and just like the weather's been really nice lately. Like it's kind of like mid 50s. So it's just been like really beautiful out and really nice. And yeah, I've just been like strutting all over the place. I haven't gone in the subway. I haven't really taken Uber. I'm just like walking everywhere. And I feel like Carrie's always on walks. That sounds like heaven. It's been really nice. Yeah, I've. it's interesting because like when I'm in L.A., I feel like if I'm in the car, I listen to podcasts or like, I don't know, like catch up with a friend or a family member. But I don't really listen to music anymore. And when I'm in New York, I'm listening to music all the time. Like I'm very 
dependent on my AirPods. I, when I'm in a store, when I'm on the street, like I always have music playing and it's, it's been really interesting. It's like been a real shift for me. I'm like this person who's just like always listening to songs. I mean, it, it, New York is a very cinematic place. And so it's like, you're like walking down the street, listening to music. It's, I feel like when I'm in New York, I feel like I'm in a movie. Yeah. It's really hard not to even, you know, I will say like, it's, you know, it definitely feels a little different here for the obvious reasons with the pandemic, but it is, I don't know. It does feel like a happy place. Like I don't feel, I don't feel a a sadness in New York, which is sort of how I expected it to feel, I guess in the winter time, but I don't feel that. I feel like it's just like, you know, it's different, but it's not sad. I'm just having this memory of one of my favorite places to eat in New York was this Chinese restaurant that had like, um, a lazy Susan and everyone would sit in a circle and eat and share and pass around. I don't remember if it was Joe Shanghai or something else, but it was just like, oh, I love Joe Shanghai. Oh, I've never been there. It's so good. It was so much fun. Um, yeah. New York is wildly social. It's just, even in the dead it freezing is really social carcass of winter, even in a yep. pandemic, you can't hold, can't hold it down. No, it's, it's pretty amazing. I mean, especially cause I'm on union square, which is close to the East village. And like, all of the NYU kids are just like out and about with their masks, just like trying to make the best of it. I, I always feel really bad for college kids during all of this, like just because the social aspect of college is kind of everything or definitely a large part of college. And I'm like, yeah, that's got to be hard. But like, yeah, they're making the best of it. I feel like that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Who are you this week? I was a full blown Miranda. Oh, I gotta um, love it. Yeah, I, I, I'm doing this very short term gig. It's literally like two and a half weeks. Um, and it's for a live show that is shooting on Wednesday. And it's just like around the clock. Like it's like it's like a show about a show. It's like it feels like being on 30 Rock where it's like Rose, uh, copy one, two. Did you get the email? We have to jump on. It's like everything is so like 911 emergency when you work on like hilarious. Yeah. So I feel like I'm very like Zoom call texting, like have my work phone, my Bluetooth, my walkie talkie. I'm like definitely like have all the gear and like a tool belt. Um, Yeah. So I feel very busy. Uh, That's fun. It's fun that the job makes like you are busy, but also I like that there's kind of like a hustle and bustle. Yeah, I'm like running like to the bathroom and like running back. It's like everything is very like ER like. (laughs) Yeah, like that's so funny. Yeah, need a joke stat. Yeah, exactly. Like (laughs) full beeper vibe. So very Miranda, very frazzled, but in a fun way, especially like I feel like because I was down for the count for literally months, like even just being busy and having my brain be stimulated. I'm waking up super early every morning because on top of this job, I'm still writing scripts for my fellowship and stuff. So it's, it's very around the clock, but, um, it's, it's fun. It'll all be over in three days anyway. So. Yeah. That's so nice though. Yeah. It's fun. So should we dive into this puppy? I think we should. So today we are covering season six, episode seven, the post-it always sticks twice. An iconic episode. Rose, take us into it. An iconic episode indeed. And I just need to do a caveat because I watched the episode this morning. So it's very fresh in my hair, my hair, my head. (laughs) It's about Carrie's hair. I think, you know, Carrie's had a million hairdos on this show and 
long, extra long, extra short. This is medium. And I think this is really the star of the show is her hair in this episode for me. It really it is. It's very luscious. It's a beautiful cut for her. It is. So the episode kicks off with Charlotte in a great mood. Now that she and Harry are engaged, she has a whole new lease on life. She even gives up her cab to another woman on the street. Carrie, meanwhile, is not doing great. She and Berger are fully broken up and she's bumping into rude guys in suits on the street. It is rough. Boy, do I have news. So do I. I didn't want to say anything until we were all together, but Harry and I made up and he asked me to marry him. Oh, my God. Congratulations. That's great. Look at that ring. I know. He had it made based on the one that Richard Burton gave Elizabeth Taylor. Well, it is... Fabulous. Even more fabulous than your first one. So, Carrie, what was your news? Oh, uh, Burger broke up with me on a post-it. On a post-it? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yep. Read it and weep, my friends. I'm sorry I can't. Don't hate me. The motherfucker's concise. First of all, I thought you were going to break up with him. Yeah, I was, and I should have, but he said that he wanted to try to work things out, a.k.a. leave in the middle of the night. A post-it? That's infuriating. Uh, I remember when breaking up over the phone was considered bad form. I once was broken up with by a guy's doorman. I'm sorry, Miss Hobbs. Jonathan won't be coming down. Ever. I miss having a doorman. So, are you going to call him? No. I'm not going to dignify his behavior with a response. I am not even going to leave him one of those angry answering machine messages. Hi, it's me. You're a dick. But huh. sure felt good saying it right now, even to you. Well, that's what we're here for. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry, too. That relationship was a complete waste of time. Oh, it's never a complete waste of time. I mean, even in the worst relationship, you always learn something. You might not want to say that to a woman carrying a loaded post-it. But Carrie, everything happens for a reason, even if you don't know what it is yet. That's such bullshit. It's not! Look at me! If I had never married Trey, then I never would have gotten divorced, and I never would have met my divorce lawyer, Harry, and I wouldn't be engaged now. Uh Uh-huh. Paper covers rock. I have to say, watching it and listening to it, (laughs) Charlotte announces she's engaged and they literally each say one sentence about it and then it's on Carrie. It's like one sentence and then they're done. I would be so hurt if I was engaged and my friends gave me approximately 20 seconds of time. Yes, I mean, this is sort of classically the dynamic of the group. It is something we've talked about that, like, no one really gives a shit about Charlotte. And anytime she needs time to say her piece and sort of like be in Charlotte and bask in them paying attention to her, I feel like they just don't have the capacity for it. Like, they just have to turn it back on themselves. Yeah, it's I think kind of, it's not unlike the stuff with like Brady. It's like anytime anything milestoney or like domestic happens, I feel like they could give two shits. That's a really interesting analysis. I also think that now that I'm thinking about it, I think Carrie and Samantha are the two selfish friends. Yes. And if it's about agree. Miranda and Charlotte, they don't really care. 
They only want to hear about either themselves or like really glamorous, sexy news. But yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. I just was thinking like, yeah, like, you know, if you're pregnant or if you got a promotion or if something good happened and you told your girlfriends and they literally each were like, oh, cool. Awesome. Oh, my God. But Carrie's news. I mean, it would just (laughs) feel really bizarre. I would my feelings would just be so hurt. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, it's tough. It's tough because I do think at first I was like, I don't really understand this like paper covers rock thing. I was just kind of like, oh, it's just kind of like witty, but I didn't really know what it means. But now I get it because it's almost like breakup, breakup, um, complaining or discussion trumps like happy happiness talks. Like if you have something to unload on, you get to like you have the floor. And if someone's just like, I have good news, it's like, cool, tell us the good news. Okay, we know the good news. Now moving on to the sad stuff to unpack. Yeah, I guess I guess paper covers rock. I guess you're right. I guess that's what it means is that like if I'm having a hard time, then we all need to. But I don't agree with it. I actually don't think paper covers rock. I think they're both important. And like, yes, what Carrie went through is really shitty and being dumped sucks. And the way he did it is horrible. And I think there was room in that conversation for them both to have space. I just think that um, it would have been better if there was more time on Charlotte and da 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 da. And when Charlotte had had her fill of attention, then she goes, well, what about you? What's going on with you guys? Instead of like, okay, Charlotte, sorry, we all recognize that you're engaged, but let's just quickly bring it to me as soon as possible. You know, I will say the way like if Charlotte were a real person and when she's like, it's all meant to be if I hadn't met Trey and then fell in love with my divorce. If that were happening in front of your face, there would be a piece of you that'd be like, this is a lot. This is a lot to take. Like this person is kind of annoying me and I should be supportive and excited, but I'm just annoyed. (laughs) Yeah. It's interesting. It's like, I have mixed feelings about that. I think when I'm in a bad mood, I don't want someone who's like a peppy cheerleader to be like, no, but this is good. Like, There's lots of psychological studies in like behaviors that 99% of people when they're in a mood do not want advice, do not want to be told what to do. What they want is someone to just listen and be empathetic. That's it. They don't want to cheer up. There's something about like trying to cheer someone up that is weirdly selfish because it's like, I can't tolerate the mood you're in. So I need you to be in a different mood. Right. And it's kind of like you can be there for someone and just hold space instead of be like, no, you have to have a different perspective about what's going on. It's like, if you just got dumped, you're just, you're allowed to just be angry and upset for a day, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's nice when people just give you the freedom to like feel your feelings and they don't, you know, because in a way when you say like, yeah, if you try to like give advice or like change the tone of the conversation, there is a piece of that that comes from a place of like, I need to change the subject like it is. It's a version of changing the subject or I need you to be happy. I can't tolerate you feeling how you feel. And I find personally that if I'm having a hard time, I really just want someone to listen and go, God, Rose, that sounds really hard. I love you. I'm here for you. But if I hear somebody, I'm really sensitive, especially to my mom and my sister being like, well, if you did this, I hear a lot of that as criticism. Like, well, if you did things differently, then you could think of it like this or, you know, I feel like a lot of times people give advice thinking it's helpful, but it actually kind of reads critical. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, oh, well, if yeah. I were you, I would do this. It's like, OK, well, I didn't do that and I didn't make that choice. And now I'm here. I always love when I love when someone said like if you tell them 
whatever you're going through or whatever issue it is. And then they ask, do you want advice or do you want me to just listen? I always think that's like just so considerate. It's It's like the best. Just put it out there. Be like, we have two paths. I'm happy to just be a sounding board. I'm also happy to like give you feedback if you want it. I love my mom so much, but she's so hilarious. I will literally say to her, mom, I'm going to reveal something. I'm going to share something, but I don't want you to tell me what I should have done. And she'll go, okay. And then immediately go, you know, Rose, she cannot help herself. She can't help herself. No, it's such a like critical mom thing, even though it comes from a complete place of love. Yeah. It's like, well, you know what? I would have probably done differently next like, time. Well, it's like, it already happened. So I can't like rewrite history. Yeah, it already happened. I already feel shitty about it. So let's maybe not. Yeah. Let's not pile on. Exactly. I think that what you all are saying with regards to uh, the like kind of blowing past Charlotte, it ends up not kind of fully being there in the writing. But I think it it sets up the complex that she like kind of develops and deals with over the whole episode. But you just never have that beat where it's like, oh, my friends don't give a shit. So I shouldn't be excited about about my new marriage from her, which I I think would have been helpful, a, a little bit of a helpful way to make her insecurities about the new marriage coming up um, read a little bit better. Mm hmm. What do you think about that line that Samantha gives that kind of bumps her where she goes, oh, it's even better than your first one. Did you think that that was because she reacts to that in a way of you can tell that made her uncomfortable? Did you think that was a low blow or do you think that was Samantha just being honestly genuine like this is actually do you think she was just trying to be nice? Yeah, I don't I don't think that was a low blow. Um, No, I think that Samantha was just commenting on the look of the diamond and how it's a much bigger diamond than the one Trey gave her. Um, But yeah, I think that there was like maybe 2%, like 98% compliment about the ring and a 2% dig. Got it. Got it. Yeah. 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 But it's mostly Charlotte's insecurity. Yeah. Cause Charlotte's reaction was pretty big. Like she seemed really upset and I, I couldn't decide for myself. I couldn't tell if that was a weird thing for Samantha to say or if that was just Charlotte reacting because she's insecure. I couldn't tell. Yeah, I think Charlotte, even bigger than your I, first one. You know what? I have to say, though, James, you think it's you think it's shitty? I think it's a little I think it's a little shitty because if I was on my second marriage, if I was on my second marriage and goes, oh, it's even nicer than your first one. It's like, why are you even bringing that up? Like, yeah, it's kind of it's kind of like you got divorced. I don't know. I also, though, I I think I'm on the fence because I also feel like Samantha is so insensitive that she could have genuinely just been like, oh, it's better than your first. Like, she's kind of unfiltered. No, that's a good point. That's true. So It is possible that she didn't mean it that way. But the fact that she doesn't think that it could be misconstrued. Is where the selfishness is at play. Yes, you're completely right. I think you're right. I don't there's think no, there's no like she's not malicious. No, she's not malicious. It's just a little like I just think she's sort of flippant and shitty. Just yes. In general, I think you're right. And it's and she's also. Yeah, I think she's kind of like sassy. And it's almost like in her mind, it's like even better than the first moving on up, like leaving that yeah. guy in the past. Like, right. I think you you kind of see a little bit of a different version of that play out in her plot with Smith this episode where she like kind of tosses off a plan for him because she's uncomfortable with the whole girlfriend thing. And then when she sees the consequences of it, like she regrets it. Like she didn't entirely think about everything that could have come about 
as a result of the things she said, and she ends up getting hurt. And so she's capable of being thoughtful and sensitive and, and seeing into the future about what she wants. But she's also capable of being flippant and attacking on accident and like hurting a person, yes. as I think she kind of does with that uh, ring comment. Right. Yeah, she's such a good character because I think that you both kind of nailed it that I don't think she's trying to hurt people's feelings. She's just self-centered and cl- mm-hmm. a little socially oblivious. And it's also what makes her, quote unquote, fabulous. Totally. Um, because that's very relatable, actually, because <laughs> this is so funny. My only frame of reference to other people is my mom because it's the only person I see. So every story that I've probably had in the last nine months is about my mom. I'm like that Nassim Padrad character on SNL who's like obsessed with her mom. Do you remember that? Yeah, I do. Yeah. So I'm sorry to like constantly bring her up. But I will say I think my mom. (laughs) (laughs) It's so embarrassing. It's like the only human I know. Oh, my God. No, but like in the same sense that like. um. Samantha doesn't mean to hurt people's feelings. She's just talking how she talks. My mom, I think, has a way of talking to my stepdad and sometimes me and sometimes waiters that I really, truly like my mom doesn't say please. Like if she's getting a coffee, she goes, I'll have a latte with a this. And I always go, mom, say, please, can I please have a. Yeah. And she goes, but that's fake. It's like, it's their job. Of course they. And I was like, yeah, but it's just like the nice thing. She's like, I'm not asking them <laughs> to do this. Fake. Yeah, she, please and thank you is fake. Yeah. She's, she's like, like, I'm they, not a fraud, Rose. She's like, they have to do it. <laughs> I'm not like asking. And I'm like, yeah. Or, oh, you know what? It's not even can I. It's all have a this, which to me sounds a little have, bit. Yeah. People in my family. I have. I'm going to have a this. That's it's how like they talk. Yeah. I'm like, mom, it's kind of like, come on. But, you know, I think I have qualities like that, too, not with service people, but like um, sometimes even I think in writers rooms, I'll say things uh, that I'm not even aware of that I think may come off like very overly direct or something. Mm. And I think like most people, Samantha, me, my mom, whatever, like none of us are like trying ever usually to be rude or hurtful, but it's important whether you're trying or not. To take stock of that, because sometimes intentions doesn't matter. Sometimes it's just the behavior itself matters, you know? Exactly. I think that is the point is that like it's yeah, it's really just about like having some self-awareness and um, yeah, just yeah. Taking stock is the perfect way to describe it. Well, the reason I brought up myself is that in the fellowship that I'm in, we had to give each other notes um, on our scripts and mm-hmm. the head of the fellowship called me. afterwards and said she loves me we're all really close and the guy that i gave notes to loved my notes like we were on a zoom afterwards he's like god thank you for saying that because i had said that something in the script could be construed as like a little sexist and a little condescending Mm. but i love him and i think the script is great it was just you know and um and he was like thank you so much for that note i was kind of thinking it might be like that so i didn't feel weird at all but then later the head of the program called me and she goes, you know, Rose, I know you're, you're, you're awesome at giving notes. You give such thorough notes, but I did think that like, that was maybe something that could offend someone. If you were in the room, like maybe try and not mm. be, it, it could have read sort of attacking and like, mm. you know, and it was like, Oh my God, that would never have been my intention, uh, you sure. know, or to make him feel bad that he like wrote something bad or to insinuate that he's a sexist. It just, I'm very direct with my notes, you know? Yeah, but it's just course. one of those things where it's just like, oh, that's also something that can happen. I feel like that happens a lot in scripts where like inadvertently you could be portraying something that you didn't really intend to portray. 
Like you could definitely accidentally do something offensive and like truly not realize until you have fresh eyes on it. So I think it's also I think that's that's like pretty common. I think another thing that's tough, too, is and I caveated my own note with like, I'm like a wild liberal feminist, so I don't even know if I have a clear perspective on this. Like, and the world is sexist. So I don't think all scripts have to be free of sexism if it's true to the character in the story. Like, if you're in a sexist world, like, yes, characters should speak in a sexist way. That makes sense. You know? Yeah. Um, No, I, I, yeah, I, I know. I know what you mean. Yeah, it was just one of those things. I just think I had a Samantha moment where I had no idea I was at all being gruff or attacking. I didn't think I was. I also suspect like there are obviously so many negatives of of this this frustrating Zoom world that we're all in. But one positive it strikes me is that like a note like that strikes me as an easier one to give when it's like in an email in a bunch of like additional notes like where your your program director had the note like if you were to say that in a room that might be taken the wrong way like if you just call something sexist but like that's a good note that's worth bringing up yeah and if it's it's, yeah bring it up now so he doesn't lock it in that way and i wasn't trying to say he was sexist or that i had any questioning of him i i think I think I just have a blunt direct like, oh, I think that's kind of condescending. You're kind of and I think what she wanted me to say is like, oh, some people could maybe take it. You know, just like couching mm-hmm. language, yeah. Mm-hmm. Pussyfooting mm-hmm. around, if you will. Yeah, yeah. Sure. But anyway, let's get back in. Let's do it. Okay, so after lunch, Carrie and Samantha take a walk. Carrie decides she's not going to stew over Burger. She's just going to get over him. And Samantha's going to help by taking her and the core four to bed. It's the hot new bed-themed club, and Samantha can get them in. I mean... This, I mean, a bed-themed club is so funny. It's amazing. I mean, that's my kind of club, and I would just, like, go there with a book and, like, jammies and, like, not talk to anybody. (laughs) (laughs) I love that they're, like, the staff uniforms are, like, nightwear. It's so funny. Like, every little element of bed is great. It's so well. I mean, this show, this is why it's been 20 years. I remember it being fun. I did like it. You went to bed? I did. I went to bed. I remember. I don't remember the inside of bed, which is where we stay for this episode. But I do remember some kind of roof deck. So basically, a they sky were bed. just yeah, like more like um a cabana. What do they call the yeah, just like a cabana. It felt very Vegas in okay. that way. Like you know, they have those beds at the pool in Vegas. Like that's basically what they are. They're kind of like futani. Got mm. it. I mean, maybe it's COVID that makes me think this because I was never a germaphobe before, but now I'm like, ew, like I'm going to get into a bed that like lots of drunk people have like sloshed around on. That's the thing. It's not like you're climbing into the covers like you're not. You know what I mean? It's not like they need to do like a a change of sheets between each sit. But like, you know, it's really more just like a flat thing that you sit on. But it's very clever to call it bed because that sounds just very like sexy and, you know, makes people think like oh i'm gonna probably like get laid there well the pun the pun the pun opportunity is like pretty big yeah it's amazing yeah you want to go to bed yeah Yeah. do you want to come to bed with me also i'm sad to hear it's just futons and it's not like the bedroom section of bed bath and beyond with all the different like bed options i know that would be so i know i'm like (laughs) yeah it would be nice if bed had more sort of like you know nightstands and lamps yeah. and like mosquito netting just, yeah yeah canopy. canopy yeah and 
Uh, okay, so, uh, that's hilarious. No, yeah, it's basically it, it's just really funny because now I maybe at the time when the club opened, like that type of like couch or whatever you want to call it, the beds was like a novelty, like that type of furniture or something. But now I feel like we see them all the time. Like that's true. every hotel I've ever stayed at, they have those by the, the standard has those. It, it does feel a little yeah. like again, I love the idea, but it does seem like a little bit of a like it's at conflict with the idea of a club. Like you go like I guess you you typically you go to bed to sleep. You don't go to bed to party. It's I you love also it, go but to I'm bed. also I like you mean. I know fuck. what you mean. You do go to bed to fuck. It should You do go to bed to fuck and sleep. there's it's more it's really just like yeah, it should be more fuck centric, just... I think. Bed. <laughs> right. Well, there are more different kinds forward. of bed. Yeah. Yeah. More fuck forward. Because there's like, yeah, there's sexy bed where things sexy happen in bed, and then there's bed like Good night, honey. You know, and then you just like put in your Invisalign and yeah. go to sleep. It'd be funny if the beds had like a row of porcelain dolls and like Disney sheets and like all this really creepy shit that was like a race car bed. <laughs> oh, the boy section. Yeah. <laughs> the boy Who's section. The girls? Well, anyway, later, Samantha puts a look together for Smith. He's doing TRL. Remember TRL? Yeah. To promote his absolute hunk ads. And she wants to make sure he looks extra hunky. He's not really into designer labels, however, and he just wants to dress casual. Samantha signs off, but she doesn't sign off on him calling her his girlfriend. He drops the G word. He says he calls her his girlfriend. She kind of freaks out. Not only does she freak out. But she tells him that he should not mention having a girlfriend at all, not just because she's uncomfortable with it, but, you know, because of his career. So she basically hides her discomfort with any kind of commitment by saying that if he's interviewed, that he should say he's single and that he's totally available. Right. Over at Charlotte's, she scans through her closet looking for outfits that go with her new engagement ring. One that definitely does not, however, is the wedding dress she wore when she married Trey. Miranda, meanwhile, tries to get out of going to bed. She is not feeling new club hot at the moment. What with Brady spit up all over her clothes. But Carrie insists, so Miranda pulls out her best-looking skinny jeans and heads to bed. When Miranda meets up with everyone in line, she makes quite the show of her skinny jeans. I love Miranda. I think she's stunning. I did think the casting of the skinny jeans was wrong because they like they were so awkward. They were like baggy. They were like wrinkly. I was so mad. I know. I was like, I, I think this was before the term skinny jean actually was a style of jean. So, like, you know how jeans kind of went through like an awkward puberty there for a while in the early aughts? It's like. No one really knew, like, if you should, like, wear boot cut or, like, baggier or more tapered. Like, and they didn't have skinny jeans at the time. That was, like, a later trend. So skinny jeans literally meant the jeans that you can fit into when you are skinny. Yeah. And yeah. so, yeah. But then oh, Miranda's skinny that. jeans were, like. That's really yeah, interesting. Yeah. They were so, a little, Ill, I mean, they weren't bad at all. She's lovely. It just was kind of, like. I did. They weren't like painted on leggings like skinny jeans actually but they, are. But they but they didn't have that at the yeah. time. Like yeah, that wasn't right. a trend yet. So it literally was a thing like your skinny jeans are your jeans that you're able to fit oh, into because you I lost see. weight. Even if they're baggy, yeah. even if they're boots. It's like cut. when yeah. you are skinny jeans. Yeah. When you are skinny and can fit into those jeans. Got you. That's so interesting. Yeah. So I, that's that makes why sense, they though. were a little looser. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Thank God you cleared that up for me. I wonder if this. <laughs> no, it's interesting set, though. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> I wonder if the term skinny jeans actually did come from this though. I don't know. Because that's a term 
that's definitely a term like, you know, we could call those jeans a lot of different things, but we call them skinny jeans. So it makes me wonder if this was influential in that way. I think that now if you had designed a jean like that, we would not call them skinny jeans because I think in a good way, the body positivity movement has kind of hopefully divorced the idea of skinny equals ideal body. Yeah, maybe it'd be like form fitting now would be like a little less. That's the thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or even I liked painted on. I thought it was like, yeah, it's a great way to describe it. They're kind of painted on. Well, when uh, Miranda meets up with the girl, she's rocking her skinny jeans and she jokes about wearing them to Charlotte's wedding. And that makes Charlotte a little bummed. The old wedding dress moment reminded her that Harry is her second marriage. So it doesn't feel right to her to make a big deal about their wedding. She might not even have bridesmaids, which everyone is super excited about. Inside bed, Miranda books it to the restroom. But on the way, she gets bumped into and she stumbles onto a bed with this guy named Peter. He's a curly haired dude and he's immediately into Miranda. He asks her to hang out and a little surprised she does. Carrie, Charlotte, and Samantha, meanwhile, head to their bed. Unfortunately, when they get there, Carrie spots Berger's friends, including Billy, played by Michael Showalter. Yep. And I loved that cameo. Me too. In the next bed over, she also, another side note, is her makeup and hair looked really gorgeous in this um, scene. Yes, striking. Yeah, beautiful. She never, does a, she never wears a, a smoky eye. It looks really. gorgeous. It was like gray silver. This is the first silver. time we've seen her. Yeah, this is the first time. Yeah, she kind of looked like she stepped out of Star Wars a little bit. <laughs> Loved it. Yeah. Um, Carrie decides that she just has to say hi to his friends. Otherwise, it'll get weird and the word will get back to Burger, and she doesn't want him to think she's having any kind of problems. So Carrie gets up, walks over there, and she talks to them. And she also kind of gets catty and mentions that Burger was bad in bed. And then she talks to Charlotte and Samantha about what she just did. Look, I don't want to drag you into this, but, uh... Burger broke up with me on a post-it. Yeah, I know as Burger's friend, you, you can't have a normal reaction, but just so you know, the normal reaction has been... Not that I'm going around telling everyone, just some girlfriends. You know, I'm trying to understand why someone would do that. Well, maybe he was afraid. Interesting. How so? Women can get really angry. Well, I assure you, I would have been very understanding. Right. Excuse me? You all say that, but but then you just freak and get all psycho, bitch. Really? So now it's our fault. All we're saying is there really is no good way to break up with someone, is there? Well, it's funny you should mention that, Billy, because actually, there is. You can have the guts and the courtesy to tell a woman to her face that you no longer want to see her. Call me crazy, but I think that you can make a point of ending your relationship in a manner that does not include an email, a doorman, or a missing persons report. I think you could all get over your fear of looking like the bad guy and actually have the uncomfortable breakup conversation because here's what, avoiding that is what makes you the bad guy. And just so you know, Alan. Uh, Andrew. Uh-huh. Most women aren't angry, irrational psychos. We just want an ending to a relationship that, that is thoughtful and decent and honors what we had together. So my point, Billy, is this. 
There is a good way to break up with someone, and it doesn't include a post-it. Oh. Okay. <laughs> that scene kind of bothers me because it kind of makes... I feel like the scene is insinuating that she's becoming a crazy bitch and that they're kind of right, which kind of bothers me because it's like, even though she maybe had a raised voice, nothing she said was irrational or untrue. Well, I I actually don't think she comes off crazy. I think at the time, maybe that was more of an intention. But watching it now, I actually think like the guys being so apathetic and then her whole monologue is about like it's you guys make us crazy like you're not honoring what we had you're not being decent you're bailing and then to have him have billy which i don't know why that's like the funniest name to me <laughs> <laughs> she keeps saying like and i point billy um but billy when he's just like okay like at the end it's kind of like oh god like we waste so much energy on guys and then that's their response just like okay <laughs> So I don't know. There's part of me that actually does, even though they're not raising their voices, they are they're acting crazy by yes. omission or something. Yes. Yes. I agree with you. I mean, I think they come like they're off. They're not meeting her at her level. Like they're not trying to talk to her about it. They're just like, yeah, you go all psycho bitch. Like it actually does make them look crazy. Yeah, it also makes them look like assholes because they're looking at her and talking to her like she's crazy. And yes, defending yes, the post-it. Exactly. That's what I meant. Yes. Yes, exactly. exactly. Yeah. And even, even that guy saying, because women can be psycho bitches, is like a really sexist, aggressive thing to say to somebody that you don't really know. And, and, and you can tell by the body language and their vibe that psycho bitch means asking for accountability. <laughs> like, well, the cool thing she? about yeah. this, and I don't, I don't know if this was an intention by people who worked on the show. But what I love is it's three dudes who don't have women talking to them on a bed alone. And they look like losers. Like, mm -hmm. and they're just like, yeah, they're not like flirt. It's not like there were other women in the scene, like being like, this girl's crazy. Like, why is she talking to us? There was none of that. It was just like these three dudes alone. And I, I want to believe that there was a reason or a significance behind that. I was going to say, I, I think that there are some things about it, it's been so fun, like watching this show for the first time. Part part of the reason for some stuff has aged poorly. I think this scene in particular is like one of the scenes that has aged really, really well because I think that like in the early two thousands, there's an easy way to watch this scene and like still, even though they're being dicks, like still land on Agree the side with of the like guys. Yeah, exactly. But now, almost twenty years on from that, it's like those dudes fucking suck. They're yeah. so toxic. They're so self important. And yes. Carrie is so deeply in the right, and it's yeah. like so fun watching her not just monologue, but monologue while being in the right, like at them, and then them also not having any retort to it, just Billy being like, uh, "Okay," um, is like it's like such a satisfying, great, funny scene that's also like again one of the ones that I feel like is really, really wonderful today. I also love, I love that she does raise her voice. If she had been calm. Mm -hmm. If she had been composed in talking to them, I don't think this scene would be as powerful. I think yeah. the fact that she is angry is so necessary. I agree. It's also because it's like when someone ghosts you, when when you don't, when you're robbed of your opportunity to have that conversation, you are left with a lot of anger and emotions because even even if it's a hard conversation and painful and shitty, 
A breakup conversation is respectful to both people because then at least you can barf out what you need to barf out. And if you don't even get to have that, then she has to barf it out to them because totally. because she's left with it, you know. Um, but I like your it's re- like, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Bro. Sorry. I didn't cut you off. No, it's fine. I was just saying I liked Skylar and your read on it that it's not. I think I was feeling defensive listening to it, thinking, are we trying to be shown that she is crazy? Is that what this is showing? But I like the read that that's not what they're showing and that she is in the right and that she's schooling them. Um, I, I also think that um, it was kind of brilliant how she goes. And by the way, he broke up with me in a, with a post-it and they don't react mm-hmm. because yeah. them not reacting is actually so rude. Like it's such a passive aggressive thing and that's gaslighty like yes like they're they're looking like that's totally normal that's a really aggressive behavior i think it's also really effective characterization for them because it's just like if you want to underline how toxic and shitty these dudes are have them not find that insanely shitty thing burger did fine like it's like it it really does a lot of legwork without like being a big move right yeah, I, I had one thing I wanted to say and I forgot. I'm so sorry, sorry James. No, 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 no. Please. No, no, no. I, I don't. It was just commenting on the same stuff. Well, I think it's a great scene. And I think, you know, this oh, idea that. Hold on. Oh, it's coming. Fuck. I just I just I because it was about your point because you said something so brilliant. So it's a compliment and a thought. Oh, I love that. Fuck. I know. OK, Jamie, we were talking about how. A compliment. It's oh my god! It's a thought plummet. I love Skylar Hanrath. I know I just me too. Really, I just I hope that stays in. I just love him. Um, I don't remember. It's fine. Oh well, okay. I don't know if this is redundant. Maybe I'm just repeating myself. Just I do don't it. Know that this is the thing I wanted to say, but um, but basically, I I love that she is quote unquote acting crazy, like on paper, because acting crazy. I mean, it could mean myriad things, but basically means like you react and you're being reactive and you're loud and you know but when you hear what she's saying you are simultaneously hearing the justification for the anger so it's not like we witness her be crazy and then we watch her backpedal she's acting like men think women act but saying something so hyper rational that it makes the dudes look crazy Yes, I agree. To me, watching it now, it makes and and it's nice to be like, oh, men are also crazy. It is crazy for a woman to say that this guy that they shit, this guy that they both know did this horrible thing to her. And like their reaction is like, okay, like we don't label quiet crazy. but Quiet is fucking crazy. That's a really not reacting. You are a fucking lunatic. You are a sociopath. And I hate that anytime a woman gets fired up, it's like, yeah, well, because we're in touch with our emotions. Like, that's what emotions feel like. And if you are repressing yours to a degree where you say stuff like psycho bitch, well, how how for so long did we go? Yeah, we're siding with the dudes when you're like, mm-hmm. no, on paper, what you're doing is crazier than anything I'm doing. 100%. Yes, I 100% agree. And actually, when you were saying that, it made me think this is the definition of gaslighting is to make it is, is gaslighting. Yes. That's right. It's gaslighting. It's to be abusive and do bad behavior, but be laconic and mellow and 
rule in a really quiet way. And so then somebody else gets really upset and then they're getting upset. And because they're showing upset and emotion, you're like, you're being crazy. Even if you're exactly I'm just saying what you're saying in different words. I think I think for too long. No, I did the same thing. I just kind of like there's something about this conversation that I can't leave. Like it's it's so much bigger than this scene. It's so much bigger than what this scene has. Yes, I, I think what you're coming to is this is not how all women are. This is not how all men are. But I think we can make a gendered generalization that in our toxic behaviors, women can get kind of explosive and angry and men can get like. Yes eerily quiet and like right and go go inside of the punishingly silent yeah and that just because you're quiet or you're saying things in a calm way it doesn't make it any less cruel or abusive or anything exactly and i would like to get to a place where like ghosting or i don't know what you call what so true bailing i want to get to a place where we label that behavior crazy like yeah. men and women go ghosting is crazy like wow. that is crazy behavior i love that jamie i love that because you're right because now it's the meanest thing you can ever do to someone it's yes. so mean yes you're right and you know what it's like oh i think you're really especially especially when you've been in a relationship i just want to make that you know if it was like a new thing and someone made you uncomfortable that's one thing where you're like i just don't want to talk to them anymore but like when you've invested and someone bails that way, it's like literally just like dig your own grave and fall in it. <laughs> oh, my God. I love this, Jamie. I think you're so right. And you're really helping me realize how gendered romantic behavior is and how like getting uh, upset. Preach. Yeah. Just like getting upset and uh, getting emotional and crying or yelling is crazy. But yes. then but then pushing someone to the brink of that is acceptable and how like. When we even talk about ghosting, we talk about it casually. But if we, if we talk about someone like, you know, getting upset or emotional, sharing their feelings, that's crazy. Yeah. Okay, I'm about to say something that might get cut out. That's OK. I just want to preface. Yeah. Um, but it's not unlike the way that sexual assault is talked about, because there, I feel like there's the OK, again, this might just get cut out. And this is just OK. Let's just like, explore it. In, yeah. But, interesting. But, but I'm. I'm I feel like it's not unlike and I'm, I I want to be clear. I'm just using that as a metaphor. I am not talking about sexual assault, but I am saying like I feel like in conversations, unfortunately, with a lot of men, okay. you know, there's this thing of like, well, was she raped? Oh, totally. And you're like, OK, well, I don't know. But all of the steps leading up were also so inappropriate. There were so many red flags in the behavior. Like, I don't know. I feel like. There is this thing where it's like, oh, well, like the, the 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 one act that you're not allowed to comment on. But or sorry. Yeah, I don't know if I'm making sense. Am I, I think you're worried about how it's coming off. So you're stopping yourself, but just blurb it out. And then it- but I don't even know if it's coherent. I guess what I'm saying is like. The gray area is also a problem, I guess, is what I'm trying to say, is that if they don't do something, you know, OK, yeah, oh, I see like. He didn't, he didn't, you know, whatever. Oh, if you weren't cheat on if you weren't, whatever, if you weren't penetrated against your will, it doesn't matter. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. 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 And I feel like in dating, you know, there are, there are social graces and courtesies where it's like, like it's, we, I think talking about it casually is a problem. Yes. I agree with you. It's actually so 
psychologically manipulative and yes. like gaslighting is not a small thing. Gaslighting can like really hurt people. You know what? It's making me think that men aren't really guilted about ghosting, but you know what women are guilted for all the time is for saying how they feel, for asking if this is going anywhere, for for saying where, where is this going? Oh, you got ghosted. Well, oh, did you have a conversation where you said you wanted to be in a relationship? Well, then you got what you deserved, which is like completely normal behavior. So women are guilted for expressing their needs, for asking someone to show up emotionally, for just taking the temperature of where people are at, which is a thousand percent normal. But men aren't guilted for literally disappearing and leaving or or doing things because they're scared to have that conversation. It's almost like we we say you should be ashamed of yourself for saying how you feel and expressing your needs. If you disappear because you can't handle it, that's totally fine. Yes. And also ghosting, you know, the problem with ghosting, it's I don't know why my metaphors are so dark today. It's not unlike COVID. It maybe is not affecting. It's maybe not affecting like you, the the ghosting person directly, but you may have given a bunch of other people really fucking shitty self-esteem or trust issues. Yes. Like there is something where you don't realize how you are impacting that person going forward, because like based on an experience where you bailed on them, they carry that into their next relationship. It doesn't go away. You just go, oh, my God, I'm so scared because the last guy I was with, you know, broke up with me on a post-it. So now I have to just like march on like that didn't happen because if I don't, I'm crazy. And it's like that really affects you psychologically. I think about that all the time. I think I mean, not to not to support uh, acting from a place of fear, but like one of my one of the things I like really firmly like try to like practice and, and like care about is like not having other people remember you for the wrong reason. And I'm very, very paranoid about like hurting somebody's feelings and then that sticking in their mind or like like screwing up in some way yes. and that sticking in someone's mind. You just, if, if people operated with more sensitivity to the ways in which they can stick in other people's minds, positively or negatively, I think yep. it would improve relationships a lot, so, a lot more. So I think it would improve these sorts of interactions that Carrie's having here with Billy. Like, I think it's like a just like kind of like nice ethical bit of paranoia to carry into a lot of your oh, interactions ethical with people. Paranoia. That is so such good. a great emo band. Ethical like- paranoia <laughs> is a fucking great phrase. Ooh, I also think I that it's that. like we have That's to sweatshirt worthy. That yeah. is sweatshirt worthy. I also think we have to stop normalizing avoidant. I'm sorry. Behavior. If- but like, I'm just going to say it, like avoidant male behavior. Like, totally. It's like, true. Like, I don't know. Want- it needs to be stopped. No, totally. Like, oh, you know, this might make me a little uncomfortable to have this conversation. So I'm going to literally just bail on this whole important step of the ending of a relationship, which is talking, which is like, that's really stunted behavior, which is going to come back and bite you in the ass for your own karma, because if you can't have that conversation, then you can't have any conversation because even if you're not breaking up with somebody, if you're in an adult relationship, there's going to be problems. People are going to hurt each other's feelings. People are going to accidentally say the wrong thing. And you have to be able to talk about that. And if your MO is, yeah, I just don't want to ever talk about anything that's emotional or makes me uncomfortable. You will never have a real relationship. How could you? There is a reason that when someone dies, we give them a funeral. 
There's a reason that we don't just put them in the ground and walk away. There's a reason that there's a ceremony and there's like protocol because when something is coming to an end, there there should be yes. like a conversation or a reckoning out of respect to be out of respect and also even if you do it you know by the book perfect breakup you know you caught them in the right mood said all the right things da 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 you know even even it's never gonna be they're still gonna feel rejected it's not like they're not gonna still be like talking to their friends about how you're an asshole you can't really avoid that no but in the long run when the healing has happened later they will thank you for it they will thank you for it. They'll go, that was the decent thing to do. You know what? I think people need a chance to say their piece. And it's not necessarily that you're going to beg for the person back. But even if you say to somebody, this feels really shitty. I was really there for you. I can't believe you're doing this to me. Whatever you need. Even just saying it is helpful so that you're not alone with it. When I, I, I've definitely talked about this before, but I had one really, really awful breakup in my life. I mean, there were others, but this one was like, above and beyond the worst because I wasn't expecting it. And it was the day after Valentine's Day, the day before he had sent me, you know, a bunch of roses and a really sweet card. And then the next day he broke up with me over the phone. He was in Los Angeles. I was in New York and I was actually staying in his apartment without him. Um, So I was like living in his apartment and I'm in his room or the room that we had shared before he went to LA. And um, yeah. And he, he also was like calling me my pet name that he had for me during the breakup. Like he kept calling me by my pet name while he was dumping me. So I was just like, yeah, anyway, so then we break up and then I'm just left with it because I can't, I was like, I can't really call him. You know, it was just very, it was whatever. He, he did have the decency to have a conversation with me, but it still felt like a lack of closure. And my point in bringing it up is because, like, you know, you you really have to be delicate. Like, that's maybe not on paper as bad as what Berger did, because at least there was a talk. But even that was like, fuck you. Like, it should have been in person. Like, you know, it was just it felt very manipulative. A hundred percent. I love this conversation. I think this is one of the best we've ever had. Me too. Me too. It's I such love a, it. Again, the scene is so rich it, it like so so interesting and well acted and well written started yeah i also love that we all had different reads on it like i love when we all are like well this is how i see it and then like it's so interesting that like rose you were like oh well like i don't like that they're like making her look crazy and then like by the end of it we're we're just kind of like unpacking a bunch of different layers here and it's really exciting when that happens yeah totally because it's it's kind of like it's art so it can be read any kind of way so exactly so somebody who is uh, a feminist will read it and go yeah they look stupid and then a misogynist will look at it and go see exactly to their point yeah, women are fucking exactly. crazy it's actually oh man i love the litmus the test skylar it is and i love the way skylar especially because skylar is like fully fresh eyes on this scene um, I thought it was really cool to hear, like, from the male perspective that he thinks the guys look bad. Like, also, that's, like, very exciting. They look like monsters. Well, yeah. Skylar's a yeah. feminist and a caring we dude. We know that. And... We know that. No, yes, but, I yes, mean, that's yes. an example of, like, male allyship. And Yes. No, 100%. You're always on the right side of shit, Skylar. I know. Effortlessly. Truly effortlessly. That's just who okay. you are. It reminds me of a litmus test that I had with uh, an ex when we watched Free Solo. Oh, no, not an ex. Just a guy I went on a couple dates with. So we watched okay. Free Solo together. If you guys saw it, I don't know. 
I, I, it. I hear it's great, I know, but yeah, very it's stressful. Great. It's great. It's about a guy yes. who like uh, probably who, who climbs uh, these mountains without any gear, and he does these really scary ones, and he's prepping for this really dangerous climb in Yosemite, where it's like 50-50 if he lives or dies. And okay. he has Asperger's, I believe, and he's he has a girlfriend, but he's definitely like his dad also had Asperger's, and he doesn't really understand social cues. And the night before. He climbs. His girlfriend Mm -hmm. is like crying and like begging him not to do it, which is totally understandable. It's like he probably will die or something. And the next day, you know, he's kind of like annoyed, I think. And the guy that I saw the movie with was like, wow, that was really fucked up that she like did that to him the night before his climb. And I go, did that to him? He's the one who's probably going to die tomorrow. Of course she did that. She loves him. It's like your mom would be crying for you if you were about to. And he was like, well, I just think it's really selfish. And it was like, I was dating a really avoidant guy whose perspective on relationships is like, just like, leave me alone and like, let me be my independent self who like, you know, it's like, it's, he thought it was selfish that she literally was like, I love you. Please don't do this. I was like, that's selfish. Mm -hmm. That sucks. And then another friend of mine had seen it with a guy she was dating who was also a major avoidant. And he said the same thing. And I was like, you know what? If you watch somebody... If you watch somebody cry and beg their partner not to do this thing where they're going to die and somebody's read on that is she's selfish, then there's like a huge problem. 100%. Yeah, this guy with a death wish that I'm in love with, I just wish he didn't have the death wish. And actually, that makes me in the wrong. (laughs) It was just like the gymnastics to be like, wow. so stressful. Yeah, they just watched and they were like, man, having a girlfriend is so fucking difficult. It's like, okay. (laughs) I got to climb Yosemite. They don't understand me. Yeah. It's a unhinged. Yeah. Also, like, if you're like, if that is going to affect you, like, the night before your climb, like, you're probably not that good at climbing. Like, also, you should be able to handle both. Things should affect you. You're a fucking human, you know? Like, you should think about your girlfriend and your future and your family before you yeah, do something. Yeah, exactly. You I don't get to divorce yourself from your life just because you're, like, trying to focus. That's not how it goes. Also, you know what I think is selfish? Doing something that doesn't help the world that's just for you, where you're probably going <laughs> to fucking die. <laughs> It's like a suicide mission. It's extreme suicide. <laughs> so not, not that's selfish. I yeah. gotta climb this mountain the, with it's no the gear. X Games. It's the X Games of suicide. That movie made me think climbing is mostly white men, and I'm like, sorry oh, yeah. for white men present, but it's like your life has so little struggle that you literally have to like invent gigantic 100%. problems, like scaling a wall with no gear. It's like, nobody's like chasing you up the wall. You're just deciding to make a huge problem for yourself. You're like, just do heroin. Like, just like look what at are you it. doing? Just look at the thing. Like it's beautiful to look at. You don't yeah. need to climb it. It's like some people have actual problems. Like you don't need to be like, Hmm, what if I created the worst problem for myself? That's so funny. That's so true. Okay, well, oh, God, that's funny. Back in, Jamie. <laughs> what, what if I create the worst problem for myself? <laughs> it's such a great way to look at it. That is like that should be like the rock climbers mantra. Like, <laughs> I wish you did stand up so you could do that. That is so funny. Yeah, like what what happened to you where like you're not fulfilled so you have to turn to spelunking or whatever? It's yeah, called? the most dangerous well, shit. Yeah, it's like can you ever imagine an immigrant or a poor person or somebody who's experiencing daily no. racism to be like, you know what? I need so many more problems. Like, I need to go get some gear and just fucking. I need to not have yeah. gear and just like hopefully not like. Dome. Yeah, 
Forget it. Yeah. Oh, God. Okay. Um, well, after Carrie's run-in with Billy, she pulls Samantha and Charlotte out of bed. They collect Miranda on their way out, but not before. She has a really sweet moment thanking Peter for calling her hot and talking with her for a while. Because she was feeling really down, like not sexy. And then Peter kind of like restored her, you know, exuberance or whatever. Yeah. Outside the core four run into some dudes smoking weed. Carrie decides weed sounds pretty good after the whole Billy blow up. And Miranda, confidence very boosted by her blue jeans, heads to get some weed from the guys. I love seeing confident Miranda. It's so fun. It's so cute. It's like so fun to have those nights where you just really feel yourself. Totally. The core four follow the dudes to a much divier bar for the weed. I fucking love this scene. I love that. Just quick side note yes. that weed is being introduced at all in this show. This show is drinks. This show is not pot. That's true. So it's very fun to have the. They the, had their genuinely upsetting episode with Wade, the comic store guy who lived with his yeah, parents and like true. loved weed. But yeah, I, I like this why. version I don't really much more. Think, I don't really think about that one. No, I, I feel don't. like this is the first time Carrie's ever smoked pot, even though you're totally right. It's not. That episode is upsetting, though. It is a fun little thing. And I like that they're in this bar with like peanut shells on the ground. It's they're like, they're mm-hmm. in the meat. That's another thing. They're in the meatpacking district, which, you know, is like a swanky nightlife. Like, you know, it, and then I love that they're just like looking for weed and meatpacking. <laughs> I don't know why that just makes me laugh. It just doesn't. <laughs> It feels so unusual. It's just their version of what CD is is so funny. It's just like there's peanut shells on the ground. Well, I also, know, I know. The dudes that they follow look like um, they're so goofy. They're like <laughs> they're like they have really like big like, horn rimmed glasses. They, they look, look like, like they Elvis Costello. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Samantha heads off to get the bartender to put on TRL so she can watch Smith's performance. And Carrie and Charlotte talk about Charlotte's feelings about her upcoming second marriage. But when another group of women are celebrating their own bachelorette, they ask Charlotte to take their picture. She gets so swept up in their excitement. They ask her a bunch of questions about Harry and she gets really pumped and she realizes maybe she is allowed to celebrate her second marriage and she doesn't have to downplay it as if it's not a big deal. I love that. Unfortunately, the stoner dudes end up not being able to get Miranda her weed, but they do all hit on her, which, of course, she's into. And Carrie and Samantha watch Smith on TRL. He does really well in the show. And when he says he isn't seeing anyone special, Samantha kind of feels it. She regrets giving him that no girlfriend advice. So she starts making out with a sweaty guy in a tank top in the bar. I love when she watches him say it and it affects her. I did not see that coming. I Mm. thought he was going to say my girlfriend, Samantha, and it was going to warm her heart. But the fact that he sticks to the script and it bothers her, I think that's really impactful. I also so love good. her outfit in this episode where she's like yes. wearing that like graffitied on onesie. It's a like New York Dolls shirt that's like sliced. It's really cool. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, it's so cool. I know she never dresses like that. It's she's really always in, sexy. Like, she's always in like bright, like bright, colorful suits. Very yes. like structured, tailored stuff. And yeah, was, or, or like halters, I feel like, like just straight up like BB halters. Yeah, BB <laughs> but, is her uh, whole thing. Yeah, it's just that like sort of stretchy, bebe, yeah, stretchy fabric. No, she looked amazing. Very form fitting, or it's like a big suit, I feel like. So it's cool to see her like dressed sort of, I don't even know what you call it, sort of rock and roll. Yeah. Yes. um, Unfortunately, the sweaty guy she makes out with has a girlfriend who is wearing a tube top and is not afraid to fight. And she starts going in on Samantha and yelling at Samantha. 
and uh, Samantha and Carrie have to run away. And outside, Samantha has a big reveal. She found Carrie a joint. They smoke and talk until Samantha gets a call from Smith. She walks off to take it. And the cops show up. So Carrie ends up in the back of the car for smoking a joint in public until Miranda and, and all the girls come and rescue her by explaining that she got broken up with a post-it and they convince the cop not to arrest her. And I have to say, this is another one of those things where you're just like, white priv, white priv. Like, it's just, it's hard to watch this now without feeling like, God, it is so unfair what happens to white people. The episode closes with the core four debriefing at a diner. Hear that? It's midnight. The official end to what will now be known as the day I got arrested for smoking a doobie. (laughs) I said doobie. It's great. (laughs) You didn't get arrested. See, your post-it was your get out of jail free card. So if you never met Burger, then you wouldn't- Stop, you're killing Uh, my buzz. I have to say, I'm starting to agree with Charlotte's way of thinking. If I hadn't accidentally gotten pregnant by Steve, I never would have had Brady. Oh. I'm not finished and had no time to eat. So I never would have fit into my skinny jeans and realized this city is full of cute men. Now that's my kind of thinking. Carrie, don't bogart this. What? Okay, I know what I learned from my burger relationship. Wait a minute, I just had it. (laughs) (laughs) What? You know what? I changed my mind. You don't think everything happens for a reason? No, no, not about that. About the wedding. I really want you guys to be my bridesmaids. You don't have to wear the matching dresses, I promise. All right, Jeanette. Can I get that in writing? (laughs) Oh, I think I've had enough. My jeans just popped. My jeans popped is such a funny fucking phrase. That scene just was like exactly I was thinking when I was watching. I was like, this is why we love the show. It's just girls who love each other, who are having a fucking blast, who are being fully themselves. They're popping their jeans, eating a split stone. It's like the exact platonic ideal of friendship. Like. Really? Yeah, I yeah, love I, this is maybe my favorite end to an episode. This looks like so much fun. I think I think I'm also we've talked about this before, but like I just fucking miss hanging out with friends so much. And it just it looks this kind of scene, just four girls eating a banana split and, and shooting the shit drunk and high. Just you couldn't you couldn't make something look any more fun. Also, I really I feel like I personally identified with Carrie in that moment because I usually am the friend who like I don't really have any vices and I get drunk really fast. I get high really fast. Like I am that friend that like is cracking up because I said doobie and everyone's just staring at me like have some fucking chill, you know? <laughs> so I personally really related to this. Um yeah, I I really saw myself in Carrie Bradshaw. In yeah. That, moment. that was so much fun. I also think that like it's also cute because they're all in their late 30s, but it's almost like watching like a bunch of 12 year olds. It's just in a really sweet way. Yeah, I love when Samantha's like, she's just eating the, the banana split. Like, I just, I don't know. There was something really, yeah, there was something sweet about the fact that they ordered a banana split. It's like, 
1950s like soda shop or something so it was just yeah it's, it really is like a bunch of kids yeah it's a it's a great great scene great scene great up great up all right so this brings us to the question of the episode people say everything happens for a reason these people are usually women and these women are usually sorting through a breakup it seems that men can get out of a relationship without even a goodbye but apparently women have to either get married or learn something. Why are we in such a rush to move from confused to Confucius? Do we search for lessons to lessen the pain? This was actually one of the most well-written questions of the entire series. Like, that's actually... It's so good. I was just saying, I'm like, oh my God. Sometimes the questions don't even make sense. Yes, like, do we come up with lessons to lessen the pain? That's like an incredible... <sighs> so genius it's poetic it's beautiful and also i thought really astute when she was saying like why is it that women have to do like mental gymnastics to come up with a lesson to like understand what just happened whereas men are just like cool next again giant stereotyping i think personally i've become a lot more spiritual over the last year in change with like my 12-step group and i i pray which i never did before and i meditate and journal and um i definitely think there's an aspect of like everything happens for a reason that is very privileged white kind of like, yeah, well, if your life is all good, great. But what do you tell to the person who has like, you know, living on the streets with no arms and legs right. and has no money? It's like, is that happening for a reason? So I think everything happens for reasons, a little complicated, but I'm not a hundred percent for it or against it. But I do think that it is good for your mental and spiritual health to, I think it's what has helped a lot of oppressed people throughout the history of the world get through hard times is to believe and have faith that like you can handle it and that something good is on the way and that there's something to be learned from it because we all do go through trauma. And I do think taking something out of it and learning from it is a way for it not to be wasted. You don't have to take anything. You don't have to take anything out of bad experiences, but why not? You know? Yeah, I I really loved everything you just said. And I also think, you know, from a healing standpoint, from a standpoint of like really trying to just feel better, maybe even momentarily, I think that there is a distancing element to kind of giving it a lesson because it's a little bit like turning what actually happened to you into a story. Like it start you start to you basically are turning your life into a narrative when you do that, when you're like, okay, what's the takeaway? Cause that is like, if you were to write your life, you would have to do that. So I think there is an element of like stepping back when you can do that. And it feels maybe a little less, maybe it hurts a little less in those moments because um, almost like the lesson is like a barrier between you and the thing that happened. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I also think that it's like, I mean, I remember my pain therapist was like, what do you want to take out of this experience? Like mm. once you're better and you're healing, like what do you want to because she because she was like, otherwise, you just had a nightmare for four months. If you can actually right. have wisdom from it, then you get something out of it. And I was yeah. like, oh, that's a good point. So it's like COVID this last nine months, like any hard right. thing that anyone goes through, a breakup, uh Losing your job, getting a divorce, moving somewhere you don't want to move, like whatever you're going through. I do think it's kind of like what wisdom is. It's like learning from Mm -hmm. why wouldn't you want to? So I do think that we do take lessons to lessen the pain. But I also think it it makes us more resilient. 
It makes us stronger. It makes us smarter. And it's sort of the key to growth. It's like, obviously, if you ask me if I'd rather be happy or sad, I'd rather be happy. But it is the hard things that we learn much more from. Yes, I would say like sadness is such an important component for being happy. Yes. Like having gone through those things uh, is what makes you stronger. And it also does make you appreciate when things are really good. Exactly. Agree. Um, Our final segment is I'm horny for Sex and the City is obviously a very horny show. So we end each episode by sharing what we're currently horny for. Rose, what are you horny for right now? Excellent question. I'm horny for L.A. Affairs. It is in the Saturday L.A. Times section, and it's basically the L.A. version of New York's Modern Love, which I also love. And it's just at the back of the style section every Saturday, and it's just a one-page love story. And um, I love reading it. I find them inspiring and and fun and interesting. And um, yeah, it's a blast to read. And I just read the one from last week. And when we get off, I'm going to lay down and read the one from this week. I love that. Jamie, what are you horny for? Yes, my horny for, um, I'm going to say season four of Big Mouth, which I, I've, I haven't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say I binged it, but I definitely have been like popping on an episode here and there. And I mean, the writing is so wildly funny and it's such a testament to like, you know, on a whole, I think Netflix is fairly hands off with the notes process when they are developing a show. Um, And I think that Big Mouth, you can really feel that when you it's a it's a great example of like really putting the authority on what's funny in the hands of the creator and not diluting the product by giving it so many rounds of notes that it almost loses its identity that's cool and i just it's really refreshing to just watch a show that is so unapologetically that show like there is no compromise i can't wait to watch like the the references are sometimes too niche doesn't matter like the language is filthy doesn't matter like it's just the funniest most creative thing i've watched it's so good (laughs) can't wait to watch really really good um, okay, well, that was a fantastic episode. And yeah, thanks for listening, you guys. We love you. We love you and we love each other. We love each other. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Couldn't Help a Wonder. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at chbwpod. And follow my co-host Rose Cerno on Insta and Twitter at Rose Cerno. And please follow my co-host Jamie at Really Jamie Lee on Instagram and at the Jamie Lee on Twitter. And please rate, review, subscribe to our show on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app. If you're nasty, it helps us. It helps you. It helps everyone. You nasty. Bye. Bye. Forever. This has been a Forever Dog production. Executive produced by Joe Cilio, Alex Ramsey, and Brett Boehm. For more original podcasts, please visit foreverdogpodcast.com and subscribe to our shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with the latest Forever Dog news by following us on Twitter and Instagram at Forever Dog Team and liking our page on Facebook. 